Greetings, programs, and welcome to another episode of the Awesome Friday podcast. Actor Mark O'Brien has been working steadily since the mid-2000s, racking up an impressive resume that includes regular roles in the CBC series Republic of Doyle, AMC series Halt and Catch Fire, and the recent film appearances in Denis Villeneuve's Arrival, Matt Bertinelli Open, and Tyler Gillett's Ready or Not, and Noah Baumbach's Marriage Story. This week sees his feature film writing and directorial debut, The Righteous, released in cinemas. Here is a listen to that trailer. We've all sinned. Sin. It has a life of its own. What's important is knowing the difference between what's real and what our conscience has created to punish us. Nothing ends so long as you stay on God's path. Bring me my penance. Who are you? Is he okay? We don't even know this boy. It's the right thing to do. Who are you? I really like having him in the house. Imagine being born into a body nobody wants. This is crazy. Is it? Can you tell me what the voice of God sounds like? Sin. It can possess. You can't run from this. Your punishment, you don't get to choose the conditions. It can make us see things and hear things. Does God scare you more than the devil? Is that it? Yes! Why? Because! Be careful what you wish for. But be certain what you pray for. Grappling with themes of faith and guilt, The Righteous stars a who's who of Canadian talent, including O'Brien himself, Henry Zerny, Mimi Kuzik, and Nigel Bennett. Originally debuting at last year's Fantasia Festival, it picked up three Canadian Screen Award nominations this year, including Best Original Screenplay for O'Brien. I sat down with Mark on Zoom this week to talk about the film, and I hope you enjoy it. But uh, first off, thank you for your time. Uh, I'm a big fan, actually, of yours and of this film in particular. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, can you tell me, uh, I'm, and also I'm going to try and ask at least one question you haven't heard before. So let me know if I get there. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know as soon as it happens. Okay. Uh, well, first off the one you probably heard a bunch of times, uh, where did the inspiration for the righteous come from? Um, really it came from, um, I like movies that hook me right away in a way that I don't understand why it's hooking me that way. And, and it twists the genre and, and just, just grabs you and, and, you know, kind of won't let go. Um, even if it's in subtle ways, like I, like, you know, Lynch does that so well. And like, or like, you know, that movie Cache, Michael Haneke film, like certain movies just grab you in a way you're like, okay, I guess I have to watch. I have to know more. And just when you think it's one thing, it becomes another thing. Um, I, I wanted to do something like that. And I think also personally, like getting older and having a child and all these things, like at a certain point, you gotta like, you got to learn to confront everything about who you are if you're going to move forward. And so it became basically 
from there and then in a genre piece which i've only recently become a genre fan but i'm kind of a massive fan now because it, it just heightens my imagination more as a viewer and so as a creator i wanted to do that and but the story really had to do with a personal idea of just you know being being aware being willing to confront everything that happens in your life and everything that has happened so you can keep going interesting I'm choosing to focus on, you said you only recently became a, a genre fan. What was, what was the movie or the experience that, that did that for you? Um, I don't know. Over the years, there's been a lot of great stuff. Like, you know, I remember watching Black Mirror, with the, like the British one years ago for the first time. It was like slowly, slowly, slowly. I think, honestly, it was The Wicker Man. I, I just thought that's how you can make a movie, the original Wicker Man, obviously. That's how you can make a movie that is horrific, even though we're not even really seeing anything horrific happen. And, and, and then I finally went back to see what rewatch Rosemary's baby. Cause I was very scared to watch that movie for a long time. I was just freaked out by the possibilities of it. And then when I rewatched that too, I just, I just was like, Oh my God, like this is one of the greatest films I've ever seen. And it's it, cause it's all the idea of what might happen. It's almost like, you know, it's almost like the, the, the shark and jaws. It's the idea of the thing. You don't even see it. And so I think those things just really started to get my imagination going because when it's the idea of the thing, you are impinging a, a, a vision of something that's not even there, and it's even scarier than when you see it. And I was really disappointed by, as I started watching more horror movies, I was really disappointed by a lot of horror movies that by the end, they just all go to hell. Like, it's like, holy shit, like everything just gone, went crazy. <laughs> I like it when it's more, that's why I'm such a Bergman fan, where it's just like, it stayed within its reality as opposed to like going off the rails. And I was sure. like, I, that's when I, I, I'm not interested as much, unless it's really good. I mean, there's some that are great. Sure, like the the um, like the implication of things rather than the outright, this is what's happening right now. Yeah, and also then you're shoving something down someone's throat. You're you're like, this is what's happening. Look, boom, boom, blam, blam. Instead of like, here's 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 a possibility. Here's a hypothetical that's going to make you think. And I think the audience has to be a participant. Otherwise, I don't think you've done your job. Yeah, that actually makes a ton of sense. I literally just rewatched the movie this morning. Like I finished it like 20 minutes ago. Oh, wow. So that, that actually makes a lot of sense in terms of the way that um, Henry's character is sort of experiencing the narrative here. Yeah, I, I think it's really, um, you know, Frederick's journey through his subconscious in, in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like I think he sees in black and white and everyone else sees in color. He's He's trying to traverse this crazy, crazy thing that he's hidden within him and the only thing that's really torturing him more than anything is himself because i think when you you've done things that are wrong that burden you and as as nigel bennett's character says in the movie gets its hooks in and won't let go that breeds narcissism because just like anything you get it you break you um come out of a relationship you get broken up with you only care about yourself for like a month everyone's like you do you buddy <laughs> like, you know what i mean <laughs> that's the way it is right it's you become obsessed with yourself and I think that that's a part of the movie too. It's a dangerous, it's a slippery slope. So you're, so you're saying that uh, the whole movie is essentially, like it's more not like an, an, an omniscient uh, viewer here looking at it through Henry's eyes, through Frederick's eyes? Or not, or not. I, I think it's, I, I think it can be a bit of, a, a bit of both. Like, you know, a lot of the movie is, can feel subjective and he's in every single scene. But there's also, you know, 
the first shot, the last shot of the movie, which I won't talk about because the last shot is 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 a biggie. Um, they they're both objective shots, so I'll say that. So it's and and that's what I was talking about, like playing with the viewer a little bit, let, letting them kind of figure out. So I think there is a lot of subconscious point of view there, but then there's also reasons to believe that maybe it's not, and and that's where I think everyone's interpretation is probably going to be slightly different than the last. Yeah, and for me, I really like films that a feel like plays, uh, and this very much is a very sit down and talky type of movie, which feels like a play to me. So I appreciate that about it. Um, but also ones that have some deliberate ambiguities, and I feel like the are you saying the ending isn't as ambiguous as I think it is, without going into spoiler town too much here? I, I respectfully cannot answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just just because I'm tickled for you to figure out your own responses, just personally, not even for people listening or reading or anything. I want you to not have that answer for yourself. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I sort of love that about movies like this. Uh, I, you know, when it comes to like uh, Inception, for example, I, you know, people argue whether or not the, the, the top is going to topple and I'm fully on team. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so. yeah. Or like basic instinct at the end when, you know, you see the, the knife under the bed, you're like, oh, God, is, is, is she going to do it? Was she the person? Is she? It leaves you. I've always loved. I'm a sucker for surprise endings, for example. And I, I just I'm a sucker for it. When you hear a surprise ending, you're like, oh, I can't wait to see it. What's it going to be? Like, because it leaves you with something to mull over. There's nothing worse than walking out of a movie and being like, I can't remember what happened. Like, there's there's nothing worse. And I think a lot of movies today that are in theaters, there's a lot of craft and there's a lot of talent. But when it comes to the actual lasting impact, it's nil. And let's be honest, it's true. It is. That doesn't mean that people aren't talented and, and incredible, but it's the factory creates something that leaves you with not much left to ponder right that's uh yes i agree <laughs> um from the this was meant to be black and white from the outset right yeah was uh was there a reason like what's what's the reason there no i think i think when you um it, it's just it just was what it was it was like that's what it needs to be it's the way i vision this i, I can't see it any other way it's just the only way I see this particular thing, like, you know, if I tell you to picture a car right now, you're going to picture a car. And mm -hmm. so, and, and it's just like, oh, that's just the way it is. Like, I, oh, that's just what I think of now when I think of it. So um, it, it was just a, a really inherent creative decision that then I leaned into for aesthetic purposes and stuff that creates more mystery and what's around the corner. We don't know what's around the corner and it, it makes more confusion and it makes us not know what time and place this is. And we don't know it makes us more of a participant, I think, I hope, as a viewer to try and figure out the pieces of what could possibly happen next. And if I added color, it would just take away from that a little bit. It would have sh shaved that off a little. Yeah, I do really appreciate that it's it's very, um, for lack of a better way to say it, a very starkly black and white. There's very little gray in the imagery that feels yeah. purposeful as well. It is, and it very much is. And you know what? The film deals a lot with a lot of opposite, opposites in that way of good and bad, black and white, up and down, north and south, heaven and hell. That that's that's intentional. And the, and even like the character I play, he's he's oppositic in a lot of ways too. He's one thing, and then all of a sudden he's totally the other. Like we don't know where it's going to go. And I love movies where I don't. I remember when I sat down to watch Mother, Aronofsky's Mother. I mean, I love Bong Joon Ho's Mother too. 
but um, not his actual biological mother, his film mother. Um, <laughs> and when I sat down to watch Mother! Exclamation Point, I was like, my God, what could possibly happen next? I was on a thrill ride. I loved every minute because I was like, I don't know where this is gonna go. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that to me is the most exciting thing about cinema. Sure. Yeah, that's definitely an intense movie and I can see some inspiration there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so this one, um, The Righteous has been around for a while now, right? Like you must've filmed it in, it 2020 i saw it at fantasia in 2021 and then technically i saw it again at blood in the snow in 2021 and it's only coming out now how's that journey been for you as a initially as a filmmaker? initially torturous but yeah. the end um couldn't have been better because this is a small movie we had six hundred fifty thousand dollars canadian we had 15 days it's a small movie and for it to have such a long, slow burn is the best thing I could ask for because instead of it coming and going just like that, it's kind of been lingering for a long time. And none of these decisions are mine. These are, you know, Arrow and Vortex and our distributors decided this. And I was tickled when they were like, so we think June, and that was like back in January. And I was like, great. Cause it's still just <laughs> sort of still living. Like, you know what I mean? And, and, and I love that about it because I think slightly outside of that, I think art does live on and it does change. And the way you and I would sit down and watch Fargo today is very different than how we would have watched it 20 years ago or 10 years ago or in 20 years time. It changes as you evolve, the piece evolves. And that's why I don't think you can make a movie that aims to be topical. I think that's a waste of celluloid I, because it's not gonna be topical tomorrow. And if the story was no good, no one cares. So it's like, if it's not topical, it's just good filmmaking, good storytelling it's gonna come back around and people will appreciate it again. Like it, it can't be ignored. I'm not saying this is, I mean, that's what I aspired to do, but that's why it's like, you know, Blade Runner and, and these movies find their homes, even though they're box office bombs, they find a home after time because people are like, God, that was, that was actually pretty good. Um, and and, and that's, that's what I look for and, and, uh, and aspire to do, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Do you have any um, feelings of uh, relief or, anything at all to, that it's going into it's get uh, like a, to a theatrical release rather than a streaming only um honestly uh matthew i'm like i'm just so excited that we're getting a theatrical and a blu-ray <laughs> a <laughs> blu-ray i'm just so excited that that's going to exist but it's it's odd it's an odd time it's it's weird because it's been so long and i want to make a movie for so long and it's been accepted in a way that i never thought because i was like when I finished, I was like, it's the movie I want to make. I don't know if it's good or bad. Like, I can't judge it. I just know that's what I want to do. So it feels bizarre, but it also feels exciting. And such a, I'm such a cinephile, I'm a Blu-ray collector. I'm a much theater goer. Um, I don't like streaming, but thank God for streaming. Uh, it, mm -hmm. Honestly, I thought I'd say it because more eyes are gonna see this movie than ever before because of streaming. So there's a place for it. And there's the theaters are doing well too, so. I think it's a great time for movies and I'm so beyond ecstatic that I have a movie coming out at this time. Nice. Uh, well, I think I'm running out of time, but a couple of sort of quicker questions. So you worked with Henry on Ready or Not. Yeah. Uh, and you worked with, um, you've worked with some of these other people before, right? So how did you connect with everyone? Because it's kind of a who's who of Canadian character talent in a way, right? Yeah, so I worked with Mimi before as well, Mimi Kuzik. I worked with Kate Corbett. She was a good friend of mine for years. 
I worked with Mako Nguyen before in a movie called Anon. And I've worked with Nigel Bennett before. So I've worked with everyone before. And that's kind of the benefit of being a filmmaker who's an actor is that you, you have relationships with other actors. So you already have relationships and, and sort of a trust and an understanding. It, even if they don't know I'm gonna be a good filmmaker, they know me as a human and they've worked with me as an artist. And I guess I was professional enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> I got to work with them. So um, I just asked people I thought were great actors and great people who would populate those roles really well. I did write it with Kate Corbett and Mimi Kuzik in mind, especially, especially. But, um, but yeah, it was just, it was asking friends who I like as people. And I think that's as important as them being talented, which they're incredibly talented, but I just like them a lot. Nice one. I mean, uh, I always enjoy seeing Nigel Bennett show up. So thanks for that. There's <laughs> 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 um, a couple of really specific and I think weird, maybe dumb questions, but so there's a scene in the movie where your character is driving a truck or in a, a big SUV, like a Suburban or something. Uh, was the per does, It doesn't have a grill. Is that on purpose? <laughs> that wasn't on purpose, yeah. It, it would, <laughs> the reason why is because it might give away time and place even slightly. Mm -hmm. And I want tear it down and I also think the truck that he was driving he picked up he found somewhere interesting <clears throat> for, for what it's worth I sort of when I saw the truck from the outside I was like that it's like a mouth but anyway oh wow interesting interesting yeah yeah like uh there's a, a moment where your character and and you and Henry are sitting at a table and there's a, a flower on the table and the flower sort of like wilts uh CGI time lapse uh, a mix of CGI and special effects. So mm -hmm. um, we had our prop guy underneath the table. He tied a wire to it and would pull down on it. And then we did a number of plates so that it would bend. Then yep. we did a number of plates. We shot that over and over and over, but he, we needed it in the wide. So our poor prop guy, who's a good friend of mine, Andy Pine, he had to sit underneath the table for a 10 page scene just to go like that at one point, just pull down. <laughs> It was a mix of plate shots and VFX. Uh, VFX guy named Daryl Couch did a wonderful job. And uh, we, I was actually really particular about that VFX shot. We talked about that forever because I wanted one pedal to fall at a specific point. And, um, but yeah, a bit of both. Nice. <clears throat> Is there anything in hindsight that you would have done differently? Like I said, I, I, it's, it sounds cocky, but it's the movie I wanted to make. I, and I enjoyed every minute. I think I could have enjoyed it even more because it was such a great experience and I love making movies. I love being a part of movies. And um, I shouldn't have been stressed or worried when we were in development land trying to get it made because we did get it made. So I wasted time being worried about something that I didn't need to worry about. Because if we mm -hmm. didn't get it made, there's still no point in worrying about it anyway because it wouldn't have been made. So uh, that's all. Uh, creatively, it was, I had great support. I had great freedom. I was encouraged. And it was the movie that was in my head. and. Thankfully, everyone let me do it. <laughs> nice. Is there anything you're gonna um, carry forward from this to your next projects? There, you know what? I, I've written a lot of other scripts and stuff in development and I do like sort of, I can't say, but I like connecting them in, in, in weird ways. They're oddly gonna be connected. I think almost every movie I would get to make, hopefully I get to make even two, there's, a, there's gonna be slight connections. And I, I just, I don't really see anyone does it. Tarantino does it more in like a character and prop and brand name way. And even uh, P.T. Anderson sometimes, but the way I want to do it is very different. I've never seen anyone do that before. So I, I kind of just want them connected in, in ways that would be noticeable. 
Interesting. Well, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I can't say anything else about it. I, I haven't even made those movies yet. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, obviously, you've been on a press tour for what, I mean, you would have done one at Fantasia and one at every festival, and now you're doing one for release. And I'm sure you're getting tons of questions. Um, is there anything about the movie that people are not asking about or asking infrequently about that you kind of wish they would ask about more? That is a question no one's asked me. Um, wow. Uh, you know what? I'm surprised that everyone understood the plot. It's such a crazy plot. It's really weird. Once you get halfway through the movie, you're like, wait, what is going on? And I, I'm just amazed that no one was confused, that they were like, yeah, no, I understood. I'm like, oh. Um, but I've had a lot of interesting questions that really kind of have really stimulated my thing. I love talking about movies. I love talking about this movie. I like doing press because it makes gives me more ideas about my own movie that I never thought of. And then it makes me, gives me more ideas going forward because you get to see specifically what someone else's reaction was like yours. And some of the things you've said here today, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be thinking about that for a little while. So I don't know how to answer that question except for what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we're reaching time here. So uh, what's next for you? Um, right now, as an actor, I just did a show called 61st Street on AMC that just finished the first season. We did two seasons. It's a limited series. So season two will come out. I think it's next year. And right now I'm filming. Uh, I'm in season two of uh, Perry Mason for HBO. So right oh, nice. now. Yeah, I love that show. I love the first season very much. And I'm a big fan of Matthew Reese. So yeah, I'm in the whole season. So that'll be fun. We're filming it right now. So I'm not sure when it comes out. And other than that, I'm writing and, and you know, looking to make the next one. Good. Well, I look forward to seeing whatever comes next. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks for watching it again today, too. Yeah, no problem, man. It's a great movie. Awesome. Take care, man. The Righteous is out in cinemas this week on June 3rd, 2022. And I hope that each of you get a chance to see it. If you have enjoyed this interview, please consider giving us a like, subscription, or five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, or follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, at AwesomeFridayCA. If you'd like to support us a little more directly, we do have a Patreon, which will be linked in the show notes. This episode was recorded and produced by me, Matthew Simpson, on the unceded lands of the Musqueam, tsleil and Squamish Nations. Thank you very much for listening on this Awesome Friday.